Welcome to episode 136 of the Book Wars Pod. I am Chris. I am here as always with Rana and Miranda and and Kristen. And Miranda, your like theme song dance seems to change every week. It, it always has the same kind of vibe. Like I, it's a little chill, but I got to do the pointing when we get to the sure sure i thought yeah. this was just what happened when clubs were closed for an entire year oh because uh, i love going to clubs i mean i'm just making that's an extremely i don't fact. know you so. <laughs> <laughs> you i don't know you like looked like you were like counting in your head while you were dan- dancing it was oh. it was interesting oh i am <laughs> if you think that i'm not constantly like counting and like getting ready for that that real drop getting again refer to drop yeah people at clubs no i'm just oh my god he made it i don't think i've been in a club since i got yeah no i i have no desire to ever no i've one. i've been since i got kicked out of town but that's a story for another day i'm just talking how do you even get kicked? whatever that is diff- that is a story for a different day. <laughs> that's 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 on it's honestly surprising it's a surprising fact i just learned about miranda um <laughs> What isn't surprising is that we're reading about Padme. And it isn't surprising because we told you last week that we would be doing this. We're starting Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston, uh, reading at the start of the book through chapter 11. This is where the um, fun begins. It really fucking is. But before we start talking about gay panics and Miranda's inability to keep a straight face while reading this book. I can never keep a straight face. A... Uh, uh, Miranda, what are you drinking? I <laughs> you, drinking... you nominated yourself. <laughs> I, I sure did. Uh, so I've got uh, a local beer from our friends down at Berlick Beer Company. Um, we've had a couple of their beers on the pod before. They make uh, dad beer. So big pod favorite here in Portland. I am drinking their Dream Life, which is a farmhouse ale with uh, Meyer lemon and sea salt. It's It's just like a solid little farmhouse the guy that i was i talked to when i picked it up across the street earlier was like this is one of my favorite spring and summer beers and i was like yeah it makes sense it's so tasty what's the abv on that miranda oh let me tell you so farmhouse style ale with meyer lemons and sea salt abv abv where the fuck are you Sometimes they don't put it. It's okay. I feel like... Don't, isn't, don't they have per- to? Oh, it's 4%. Oh, sweet. So, like, s- nice session beer. Super easy drinker. Light, refreshing. I'm sweating, so, like, it's great for me right now. But not sweating because of the beer. No, I was sweating, and I was also drinking beer. Nice. A good combo. So, at least it's, like... Like a, a spring and summer beer while I'm sweating and not like a stout. I too am drinking a spring and summer beer. Definitely had on the pod before by me, I think, and Miranda. I'm drinking the Let's Play Dry Hop the Pilsner from our friends at Level, which is the hat that I wear if you ever see the screenshots of us <laughs> dancing during the theme song. <laughs> um, and Chris has some Level... Mm-hmm. I was going to say I was wearing Star a Wars beer t-shirt it. yesterday, I think. Yeah. I think there's that, a picture on the gram. There is hey. a picture on the gram. Yes. Um, but this they uh, they have a lot of video game theme shit and Star Wars theme shit, so they're good people. Um, 
a German-style pilsner-based beer that uses traditional floral herbal hops, along with citrusy American dry hops. Bright, crisp, refreshing, with a pleasant hoppy aroma. Let's play. I I felt weird reading that last part, but that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> File under things Kristen will never say again on the pod. <laughs> no bullshit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, not that she felt weird, but let's play. Oh no, she's I gonna know. say that again. <laughs> let's play. Oh um, God, I don't it's want ri- to. It, it's ribbed for her pleasure for some reason. This oh can. <laughs> I think we call can it. We, can we get but... Kristen to never say that again on the pod? <laughs> <laughs> I love how I didn't feel weird saying that. Yeah. But that is who I am. Rex. Um oh Okay. Good job, everybody. Uh, I'll be back in a little bit to ask when and where we are. <laughs> Rana, what are you drinking? Um, so I'll preface this by saying I feel like I've had wine on the pod a lot lately, but that doesn't mean... Like, I do drink beer. It's just totally coincidental that I happen to have wine again. Um, I have... I'm drinking out of a cup or a, ba- a bo- whatever this is called, a glass, not, not the that. whole bottle. I just have the bottle here to read the information. Um, we this, wouldn't judge you. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Life is hard. Not quite that hard yet, but we'll see. Never, no, I don't know why I said that. Everything's going to change. Um, this is called the Sixth Sense Wine. So really now I know that everything's going to change. It's a Syrah. It's from the Michael David Wines. Uh, and I only got it because it was on sale and I wanted something nice for the Where's weekend. It? And now it's snowing. And I was like, it's from Lodi. California, okay. Uh, which coincidentally is where my boss lives, but I don't Ayo. think she listens to the podcast, so it's okay. Probably um, for the best. But yeah, so uh, because it's snowing, I was like, ooh, it seems like a good time for a glass of wine while we record. So that's my life. What about you, Chris? Absolutely a good time for a glass of wine. It's also a good time for some hot chocolate. <laughs> um, it, is, it is doing a fun little April uh, winter storm advisory right now in Colorado. Um, so that's great. But I did make some Mexican hot chocolate, which is delicious and doesn't have any alcohol in it. Just, just going straight, you know? Oh, nice. Love a Mexican hot chocolate. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Obi-Wan. I appreciate that. Um, let's use Obi-Wan to segue into our talk. But before we do that, I don't know. I just, just, just <laughs> don't give me that. Don't give me that face. Oh my god! That was I don't even mean to segue. say who I was directing that at because <laughs> all three of you were segue. giving me faces. <laughs> I was not. I was opening up the document because I was like, "Why did he skip the charity cause? Fucking no, white exactly. men skipping the charity cause." <laughs> um, before we jump to Kristen's favorite topic, uh, we are, as we are reading a new book, we are going to be highlighting a new uh, charitable organization that you should be supporting. If you have the means to do so, um, while we read Queen's Apparel, we're going to be highlighting the Loveland Foundation, um, which is selected by the one and only Kate. So thank you, Kate, as I look off camera, as you can all see me on a podcast. I'm grading and everything sucks. Yep. <laughs> uh and the Loveland Therapy Fund uh, provides financial assistance to black women and girls seeking therapy nationally. So it is a wonderful cause. Uh, and if you go on their website, they have they, they list all of the organizations that they partner with to to uh, to help black women and girls get that therapy. And it's just a really great organization. So we highly recommend giving to them if you have the means. All right, Kristen, ask the question. No. Miranda, yeah. you're clicking on the... Oh, did you click the link to go to it? I did. 
I thought you were clicking the link to tell Chris to read the website, which is what I was going to do. Oh, no. Oh. I didn't. I just wanted to see. Chris, what's that website? Uh, it's thelovelandfoundation.org. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I do have a question, though, and uh, it's when and where are we? <laughs> what a good question, Kristen, and really unexpected. So thank you for bringing us to this to this point in the podcast. <laughs> Truly uh, groundbreaking. Indeed. Um, we are in the Star Wars timeline. We're officially in the Skywalker Saga timeline right now. We are living right the, the Skywalker beginning. Saga. Where it all it. began. You saw it here first, folks. Not Indeed. so long ago and not so far away. It's a trap! It sure fucking is. Um, but yeah, so we... The book starts literally on the, I guess, day before Padme's reign begins. Because they don't do silly things like uh, lame duck periods. They just they <laughs> just elect their they queen and then get the fuck out in that time and protested everything. Or no, they, oh, they had like no. a whole week to do it, so maybe. No, uh, no uh, failed coup happened in Theed in between the I mean, day before and the day after. Everyone seemed pretty chill about it. Everyone seemed pretty chill about it, even though she's a child. They're like, it's cool. She knows they're her all shit. children. <laughs> They're like this fourteen-year-old will lead us to glory. Exactly. We'll we'll talk about it, but like one of my favorite things about this book is just like the fact that there is absolutely no like space given to like is it a good idea for people to be like putting fourteen-year-olds in charge? Like Kate Johnston is just like yeah, yeah, it it's, is. We're, I love the number of times that she says like I'm not the youngest one. It's okay. I'm not the youngest one. I'm like okay. I like when I like when they introduce again. We'll we'll talk about this, but I like when they introduce Sache and and everybody's like, "Why did you bring this twelve year old here?" Because <laughs> fourteen is obviously so mature and established, but twelve, exactly. Um, but yeah, so we are at the very beginning of Queen Amidala's rule, um, and it's I think by the time we get to the end of chapter eleven, we're about a monthish in. I want to say. Yeah, it's it's definitely a few weeks, and you know, um, yeah, she's like Padme settle into her her reign by then. Um, she's yeah. coronated, I guess, because she's already having like they've already established all the issues with the agriculture problems going on on the planet, and they've already made a decision about that. And she's had all the time to plan this, like, you know, assembly Dance. of. <laughs> Finally, my IR degree is going to get... No, it won't because space. It will. Let me... We're going to cover it later. Why? We will be honored. This is how I use mine. (laughs) If you happen to have a degree in the taxation of trade routes to outlying systems, boy, are you in for a treat. I do have to say, I was really worried they were going to dive into that. And all I could think of, and I don't know why I constantly bring up this book series. I always think of that stupid George R. R. Martin quote of like, as much as I love Tolkien, I really wanted to know what Aragorn's tax code would have been. And I always think like that's the dumbest comment. Um, and I was like, I don't want this to be the direction this book is going in. And it didn't. So yeah, just putting that out there. Um, but yeah, so by the time we finish chapter 11, we are between one and two months into Padme's reign. And just a, a small spoiler alert, we're probably about a week away from the beginning of Phantom Menace. So we're really we're really up against it. And in terms of kind of when and where are we, one thing that Kate Johnston does in this book that I think is really interesting is in addition to it being about Padme, obviously in The Handmaidens, 
She also has all these interludes about you may have you may be familiar with characters like Palpatine and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Yoda <laughs> and Valorum, like all these people that like obviously we know because it would be very strange if somebody read this book without seeing the Phantom Menace first. I just I don't know how they would arrive at that conclusion. But yeah, so like let's let's talk about that a little bit. What was what was y'all's reaction to all that? I loved it. Um, you know, it was, I think this, like, so far, and I'm sure it's going to continue this way, it's a really fun book, and, like, I was just, like, cackling the whole time I was reading this section, but there's something about, you know, having that knowledge of, like, we're about to get into the Phantom Menace, you know, here's, like, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and, oh, man, here's, you know, Palpatine, like, you know, or Valorum saying, maybe we should send, like, an intermediary for like the trade federation and like we know what's happening and it's all kind of like snippets of what people are doing up in the build up to it and it's about to hit the fan and they don't know it yet palpatine knows but otherwise anakin's just dying in pod races as per fucking usual yeah, I love that shit. Not not kids dying in pod racing. I'm not, you know, advocating for that. Um, but uh, I do love, like, setting the stage for what's happening and the world building and all of that type of thing. And I love, like, getting the little glimpses at what we all know is happening. And I think especially with the movie like The Phantom Menace where you're like, oh, like, who made... Well, I don't know why I'm saying like this much, but we were thinking, who the hell made this decision? Like, how did we get to this point? It's kind of nice. I'm sure for people who have read like Master and Apprentice and all these other things, there's a lot more info there. But for me, as a lame person who will maybe maybe less lame. No, um, I want to read them, so I am lame. I uh, I like getting that type of insight of oh, you know, feeling like you're seeing the pieces of the puzzle come together, even if most of them are in the periphery. Yeah, it's definitely building up to plot, um, which I don't know. I think is cool. And I think it's really well done, too, you know, just like having it as those brief little, little interludes, like at the end of chapters or, you know, tucked in between, along with, you know, like also using interludes as a way to introduce us more to the handmaidens. Yeah. And for us to like get to know their background. And it's all fantastic. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's this is very much a book like and it's it's interesting because I compare it to um queen shadow which we read a little while ago um and that one is very much kind of like a more traditionally structured padme and sabe story like you've got like the dueling perspectives but they revolve around the same story and this one is much more no, there are two of them <laughs> this one is like almost more of a shit post of a book but i mean that in like the best possible I way i fucking love it <laughs> yeah it, me too. It, yeah it like I think that's like kind of a broad way to say it, but it's it's almost a little chaotic. But I think that's good because like that is absolutely what the fuck is going on in the galaxy. Like everyone's scheming, including the teens and Palpa teen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hate you so fucking much. All right, Miranda doesn't get to talk. Yeah, to but yeah. So like Miranda. we see, we haven't gotten to the gay part yet. So, you can't do that. That's fucking homophobic. It's true. Um, 
But yeah, we see, I mean, and like, obviously we see Palpatine, which is like not a huge surprise that we see him show up. He is their senator. Um, was a little bit of a surprise that we got kind of like that internal monologue from him about how he is the worst TM. Um, and we also got Maul being grumpy, um, but not cut in half yet. Big moment for Maul. One piece. Whole Maul. Um, also, something to note, too, is that, like, we see Palpatine, but we also see Darth Sidious. And, like, yeah. The, yeah. the two the two are, I mean, we know it's the same person. But here, the two are just, like, completely separate. It's interesting. Absolutely. And, well, and Darth Sidious gives us kind of a view into two other, well, actually, each Palpatine and Darth Sidious give us views into other characters. Darth Sidious talks to everyone's favorite Republican elected official, Newt Gunray. Uh, and it's Teed Cruzo. Like, we kind of see him. You bastard. Teed, Teed Cruzo. <laughs> um, and Palpatine talks to fan favorite <laughs> Chancellor Valorum. Not, not a he's just favorite. useless. My favorite thing is even when he's like in his element, he's useless. Oh yeah, it's so funny. Like Palpatine is still running that meeting. <laughs> it's like you're the goddamn chancellor of the Galactic Senate. What are you doing, sir? Yeah, do it. Also, how that scene ends with like Valorum talking to Palpatine and like coming away from that conversation feeling good and being like, "It's good to have smart allies." <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I read like, that no. and I was just like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." It's like, don't do it. You, you sweet summer chancellor, you're going to have a good four days. <laughs> but honestly, everything that happens after that, technically not his fault. So, kind of. I mean, not directly. I mean, he didn't physically do it. Yeah, but... he, he, like, he got But is, like, out. negligence of, you know, the oh, yeah. systems yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, things yeah. that play his fault? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. But, like, also, you know, Palpatine's the guy behind this. He's the one who's got three backup bills written, each purposely, like, not perfect in ways to manipulate different factions yeah. into voting. I love when stuff. he's, like, yelling at them, like, well, n- they'll never accept this. And I'm like, you, like, I hate it, but I'm also like, oh. It's like, you have the next draft yeah. written, so they will. You're just, you're just ready. Yeah. It's not my fault. That's what Valorum said. That is what Valorum said. Valorum also said something interesting in his limited text here that one of you put on the outline. I'm not sure whom. So, this is also in my forever standing Google document. The Senate is the friends we made along the way about intergalactic politics, intragalactic politics in the galaxy far, far away. But something that's really interesting here and that we haven't super seen before. And honestly, E.K. Johnston just wrote it into existence, and I fucking love her for that, is that, um, you know, part of his inner monologue is like, well, most of the, of the galaxy, you know, thinks that, you know, corporations should also be represented on, on the same level as, like, you know, planetary governments. And for me personally, like, that... It doesn't quite answer a lot of questions, but, like, why the fuck is the Trade Federation in the Senate, you know? It's a Trade Federation. And this this is why. It's like, if Jeff Bezos were to roll up, it would be much worse in the galaxy if that happened. 
but it's like here's this giant corporation coming to fuck everything up I've never seen this happen before Dutch and West Indies company who East Indies West Indies she's moving her hand like a little (laughs) West Indies (laughs) West Indies thank you the Virginia company directions never happened before listen it's hard to move across the country the ocean's on the other side this is why you got a native on the pod to tell Miranda East Indies from West Indies I mean that's 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 relevant that's I can leave the pod now thanks guys I did my job um see you joke about Jeff Bezos being senator for himself, but if they make DC a state, you know that fucking like Josh Hawley's gonna come in here with that shit or some oh some motherfucker like that. Corporations are people too. That's exactly what I was um, thinking. That's what like, the Romney doctrine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, and I think kind of like that, in a way, cuts at the whole theme of like all these interludes. Miranda is that like we're getting all of this background on the galaxy that we didn't that we've never gotten before like you know it's stuff that we like you know have assumed or have figured like puzzled out or like you know other things along the way but we haven't actually like seen any of this stuff and particularly when the movie came out and like was a little bit of a chaotic mess <laughs> in terms of plot. The Phantom Menace, just like, a little, noticeably, notably, just a little bit of a chaotic mess. Not just um, in plot, but yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I we'll talk about this at like the on the wrap up, but like this and Queen's Peril have so drastically improved my enjoyment of that movie. This is Queen's Peril. I think he meant Queen Shadow. Sorry, this he is did. Let's woman explain it. it. Let's go. I don't get this opportunity. Let's let's bring men down. All right, Chris, um, leave. Yep. We've now Listen, officially kicked theme... every single person off the pod in this episode, and we are like twenty <laughs> minutes in. So, if there's if there's a theme to this Padme trilogy so far, it's let's bring men down. So you're absolutely right. It did. You're, you're on. Go ahead. No, go. It did almost like I had a moment where I was like, maybe I need to go back and rewatch Phantom Menace. And then I was like, mm, <laughs> I can wait. Um, but it definitely makes me want to go and read Queen Shadow because I haven't read that yet. So uh, at first I was thinking, oh, you need more Star Wars books for the pod. That's what my inner voice sounds like, apparently. But um, now I'm like, oh, I need another Star Wars book. It's cool. So <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, it does like makes me enjoy Phantom Menace much more when I watch it. But then you also need to get through all the other aspects of Phantom Menace. Yeah, and um, there's something too about you know this one and in that build up, like something that I you know look at and particularly see um, how it interacts with the rest of the books, greater stuff star wars canon um is the relationship between qui-gon and obi-wan and i feel like if i hadn't read like master and apprentice or like 
Wait, that's not the bitch. Is that the bitch? Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's the, that's the one. That's the bitch. Sorry, and um, I think I accidentally called it Master and Commander earlier. So no, you called really... it Master and Apprentice. You did get it right. Oh, amazing. <laughs> um, like, if I hadn't read that, I'd be a little confused about, you know, that like that little interlude where Obi-Wan's like, oh, my God, it's going to be one of these again. And they're like, you know, lightly arguing about something that Qui-Gon's looking up. Like, he's having Obi-Wan read the bill that Palpatine is introducing and he's like why the fuck am I doing this and you know it just digs it like deeper into one of those relationships that obviously we didn't get a lot of on screen because Qui-Gon super dies at the end of uh, A Phantom Menace spoiler alert spoiler alert for a movie that came out 22 years ago but um also, it's just a chance to drag Obi Wan too. Yeah, I bookmarked that page. Speaking of dragging Obi Wan, very fucking the moment, funny. The yeah, the moment where like Obi Wan just does like a light joke at Qui Gon's expense, and then Qui Gon just like immediately comes back with, "Yeah, maybe you shouldn't start affairs with local nobility, Obi Wan." <laughs> like, fuck. All right, shit. I like that, and I also liked the like added layer of the way that he worded it was. In addition, a great like reminder of what's going to happen because of everything that they're about to do, um, oh. and I just like the duplicity of that. Oh, that that's a good observation. I was just laughing Thanks. at Obi Wan being like, "Well, anyway, let's go read oh, this yeah, bill." I it was hysterical <laughs> about trade routes. Like, yep. oh, oh, look what's going to happen. Mm, so sorry, Satine. Who? Let's talk about taxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just love Mace Windu being exactly as annoyed by Yoda as the rest of us are he go he like almost tries to like stand up and give a real argument and then he's like he's just gonna say this bullshit and i'm gonna have to sit here and think about it and there's no goddamn point to it so i'm just gonna sit here wait a few minutes and then get up and walk out and yoda's like i love it when people leave me alone so i can meditate yes i think that's the first time i haven't been disturbed by that soundbite I was still disturbed by it because it fit. (laughs) Um, I did love in the Yoda part, though, just like a very small connection back to the movie in that like Yoda was like, I feel like nothingness, which is weird because there's always something. Yoda needs therapy. Don't we all? Yoda does. Yoda feels empty inside. Um, But it was interesting because like it always it reminded me of how the very beginning of Phantom Menace starts with like Obi-Wan being like, I have a bad feeling about this and Qui-Gon being like, yo, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And, uh, and then Obi being like, it's like, it's not even this mission. It's just like elsewhere. Like it's, it's elusive. And it's like, yes, Obi-Wan literally senses the Phantom Menace (laughs) and nobody cares. But then he's like, and master Yoda says, I should be mindful of my feelings. One of the many, anyway, one of the many things I'm no hoping go. out of the uh, Obi-Wan show is that we get some Obi-Wan talking shit with Qui-Gon's Force Ghost. Oh, uh, yes. I would love, love a little bit of shit talk in there. I really, I know that they, like, didn't an- announce Liam Neeson on the, like, title, on the, like, actor, like, cast card, title, <laughs> actors, cast, there we go, found it. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I hope that that's, like, a surprise guest appearance. Because I would also love that. Yeah, they put Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian. Like, Qui-Gon's absolutely going to show up. Liam Neeson's going to come in and be wise and, you know, kind of that 
crazy old Qui-Gon, always with his, you know, Jedi mythology. Just, let's just, like, keep Liam Neeson from being racist. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Half till that comes yeah. out. Um, good luck. I yeah. can never forget it. Um, I have a bad feeling about this. Could devote a whole hour discussion to that episode of life. Anyway, let's talk about teenagers. They, they scare the shit out of I me. feel like I've never understood the hatred of teenagers. It is so hard to be a teenager. Like, I was a terrible teenager, and I feel like what I really like, and I listed later on the outline, but I think it's nice to, like, have a little bit of respect for them in this book. I know Miranda's like, shut the fuck up. But I do feel like, <laughs> I just say that because of her hair, um, which sounds like a drag, but actually it's her, like, putting her hair in front of her face on the camera. You can't see it because this is a podcast. But I just feel like being a teenager is so fucking hard. I would never, ever do it again. And then I look at the way people, like, talk about teenagers and the, just the constant, like, talking shit about them but they're just awkward like if they're being assholes it's because they feel so awkward like i just feel bad for teenagers uh is is the tldr there and there's a lot that we get a book for them yeah a lot of angst and they scare me built into the age i don't i don't hate them i'm terrified of them (laughs) they're full full of rage it's true but they're very capable in this book and like obviously like Part of that is, like, the, the the basis of this is that Padme is a 14-year-old queen. We knew that in Phantom Menace. And that, like, we kind of go from there. But, like, one thing that I feel like E.K. Johnston does really well is just completely lean in to this, yeah, planets fucking run by preteens and teenagers. Yep. And they're doing fucking great. What of it? It's like, they're doing fine. There's adults in the room. They don't really matter because, like, the queen's 14 years old. Um, but it's really also interesting for me to see how she, um, you know, it's not like some random-ass 14-year-old's elected queen, right? Her mom's like, well, I guess we did take you on, like, charitable missions when you were, like, seven. And you got really into it. <laughs> so I, I guess this makes sense that you're... The queen now. Um, cool, 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 cool. I mean, that's an argument yeah. that even comes up now, not about letting 14-year-olds be queen, thankfully, but um, around like the fact that there is so much energy at that age around like advocacy and movement building, and then mm-hmm. the questions around like when you have all these youth-led movements like have been you know happening for a long time, but especially have gotten some attention lately. How do you like keep people interested in participating in these sorts of systems if they can't have a role, you know, in an official political role? So I do feel like it's interesting to see. I don't think we should have this type of role, but it's interesting to say like, oh, look, here's a society where people who are young and like up in arms about shit get to have a role in some way. So. Yeah, like not only can Padme run for queen, she can vote for herself for queen. You know, she gets that, you know, you know, call it a little say in it, but she does get a vote and gets a voice in, you know, politics. Yeah, absolutely. And what was what's interesting about Naboo that we that we kind of find out that we you knew a little bit from like background dialogue, but while Padme's young, she's not the youngest and she's not like weirdly young. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, I get the feeling that like other queens have been like 16, 18. Like 14 is precocious, but it's not like 12. They're monarchs. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's not like their monarchs are usually like 50. Yeah. It's yeah. not like the first thing people are saying or thinking about when they see her or anything like that. Yeah, and there, I almost feel like it was kind of a throwaway line in one of the chapters, but there's, I think it's, you know, one of Karth Panaka's things, but it's like, well, everybody on Naboo is basically a child prodigy. So, like, that makes sense. And, I mean, we, we, we fucking see it, you know? Like, Padme is absolutely ready to be queen. She's got the drive, um... You know, people believe in her enough to elect her, but we see her handmaidens, and they're all stupid fucking talented. Like, uh, you know, Sabe is like, I'm always second in everything, and I'm like, you're an incredibly talented musician. You could be a soloist on any other planet but Naboo. Like, there's an engineer and all sorts of shit. It's wild. When we get that, like, interlude or memory of, I can't remember which one is the engineer, but the fact um, that she Arate. was, like, of Arate of saying, like, oh, yeah, I was fully employed at this opera, and I was, like, building shit, and, and no one had a problem with it. And I felt, like, oh, fascinating that it's not just, like, you are in school until you are old enough to make a little bit more money. It was, like, no, yeah, everyone thinks you're, like, you know, it's cool. It's not questionable. It's not, like, a bizarre thing. Like, they're employed, putting their shit to work. Yeah, it seems like 14 is about that time for them because they all seemed, I don't know if, like, they just start them super young. If there's something on the planet that makes them all smart as hell. But, um... It's all the fish. It's all the fish. So much, so much fucking mercury. Yeah, it's the opposite right of mercury poisoning on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in Sabe's interlude, you know, part of the comments was, like, when she's, you know, thinking about how she's, like, ah, oh, she's pretty talented, but she's not the best, you know. It's like, well, I'm done with school now. I finished my formal education and it's like, you're 14 and you're just ready to go out into the world. So it's like, I, I think having and including information like that about Naboo and about, you know, the Naboo society is great because like, you know, at least gives a little credence to having, you know, teenage queens. Yeah, Absolutely. I also just love that the uh, the Naberi genes did not go very far into her offspring. They, they went one way. We have Padme. They went one right, way. They it's went true. to one. But they, they skipped a generation. Or Despite no, they them being twins, no, they didn't. They, <laughs> she twins, is their but, mother. Yeah, got it. They just they don't survive. They don't survive in hot in hot weather because you you go to a desert climate <laughs> and boy does the Skywalker jump out. <laughs> Padme at 14, I am going to completely rebuild all of our diplomatic relations with our neighbors in the entire sector in one fell swoop. <laughs> Luke at 19. But Spaceships? I was going to Tasha Station to pick up some power converters. Just whining Thank over you. his blue milk. That's it. That's the movie. That's Star Wars. <laughs> True. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Book Wars. Um, however, we can't... It would be homophobic not to let Miranda talk. This book is so aggressively queer. It starts, I know you can't see it because it's an audio medium, but you can look it up if you don't. First of all, hopefully you, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, an analog book kind of gal. Um, 
if you've got it on ebook or however the hell that works, look up a picture of it. It's the vibes of the color scheme for the book are big bisexual energy. That's not relevant to the plot of this at all, except gay. Um, first of all, it, it's not entirely... Cle- like, it's clearly not, like, frowned upon for folks, you know, to to be, you know, however... Whatever flavor of queer they are, like, it's all kind of casual. I mean, except for teenagers, because, like, that's a hard time already. Um... There's a couple bits in this where it's like, this this is not heterosexual activity. Uh, first, we've got Sachet refusing at all times to be, like, roomed with uh, Yane. And I'm like, oh, you caught, Yane caught the sickness, or whichever way it goes, that you had last week? Huh. You won't, you won't sleep in a room with her? And you get along just fine, but there's something really weird and tense between you two at all times, and everyone notices it. What's that about? Hello there. Seems gay to me, but I also (laughs) would not have recognized that as a 14-year-old, so I get it. And it is unclear if, you know, she gets it or not. It's unclear if they're, like, touching mouths, because they did get the same cold. But it doesn't seem like they're comfortable enough to be like, yes, you know? Does that make sense? It does okay. make sense. And we get, we get, um, I mean, I wouldn't say like we get an explicit answer about that, but we get more about like kind of where their, where, where their minds are at mm-hmm. later. Good. Um, you know, then on, on the other hand, you've got Sabe just like at the, the big like dinner party when everyone from across the system comes in to talk about agricultural policy and trade. And she just starts flirting with this one gal from one of the other planets, you know, like, you know, in Padme's, who has the worst gaydar in the whole world, she's, like, watching this unfold, and she's like, okay, well, she's flirting with Sabet. She's flirting back? How does that work? I'm very confused right now. It's gold. I will say, to to me, and, and, and this is also possibly me just completely misreading it, to me, Padme's discomfort and maybe not discomfort but surprise at that situation is more at a like but i thought we were going to be best friends forever situation that was what i read in it too was like a tinge of jealousy or envy that it was happening in front of her i think the way that i read it was more like especially because it's sabe and like they've been the closest this whole time like she was the first one in um you know she kind of was really behind a lot of the the machinations of you know, the the handmaiden squad is that like they're a month into it and suddenly she's flirting with a girl and she's like, How did I not like this is new information? What the fuck? Yeah, that's super fair. How did I not know this about you? That seems like something that would have come up. Who's to say? No, I really honestly, as you were saying it, I really like that interpretation. Yeah, same um, fucking straight people. I mean, I was gonna say we are we are not the uh, we're not we're not the uh, um, authorities on this particular matter. Yeah, either, so. I think anytime Miranda says something, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, it's probably accurate because I definitely <laughs> have not read like half of the shit that you're saying. I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think of that. So this is my turn to mute. 
<laughs> That's a bad I idea. I myself have not been a gay teen, so. It's true. Neither have I, man. I mean, I technically <laughs> was, apparently. <laughs> they, don't, they don't just tell you that. It's really fucking it's rude. Well, I mean, and this is... What, what, a, what a great segue into kind of our last point of the night, which is like how this whole book is just one giant YA mood. And it like, it's very, it's like super empowering to teens and like teens are equally as competent as adults, but it's also like treating like Sabe and Sasha and Yane being gay and like all of this stuff. It's like more, it's like very much like the representation matters argument of like you are seeing characters that you care about like figuring things out about themselves in a very you know feels you know at least to me as a not gay person and also because i know that you've loved this book and enjoyed it like feels like a some feel pretty authentic way figuring these things out about themselves and how they feel yeah and it's just like i feel like it's very like that's it's very explicitly a project of this book to be that example Mm -hmm. and this this is probably something we'll touch on too in the wrap-up um you know i it is clearly like this is on purpose but you know this this is a ya book and so and this is not the first ya book that ek johnson has done this in which is absolutely great because it's like it's not us the adults that that message is necessarily aimed for at whichever one fits there grammatically um you know it's for the fucking 14 year year olds out there who are reading this and are like oh man this person's real cute (laughs) um but even beyond that it's like it, it treats the teens as like capable people you know we we touched on it earlier padme obviously has her shit together to the extent that like you know a teenager does but clearly she's queen she's got these plans she knows how to do it uh you know all the handmaidens you know a lot of a lot of this read to me like you know it's this group of teenage girls and just giving panaka the biggest fucking headache at all times and he's always like do i want to know why this is happening they just stole like a bunch of locks and then some string uh not sure what that's about but i'm not gonna ask because i don't know if i want to know and like they meanwhile you know they're they've got these great like i think they're genuinely good ideas Mm -hmm. you know and when whoever it is is like we should also learn about each other like as people and not just as like faces um and like get into each other's hobbies which is another one of my favorite parts that i bookmarked where rabe is like i can teach you how to lock pick and they're like that's not a hobby it's useful though <laughs> it's just like they've got a plan and clearly like they're gonna put it into motion nobody's there to i mean <laughs> I'm sure, like, everybody's there to fucking get in the way of it. That's how literally everything works. But, um, you know, it's, like, these girls are smart and capable, and they're 
already running circles, you know, around the rest of the government of Naboo and, like, security forces. And they're a month in. I love that. I feel like, I don't know, hopefully it's different in the Star Wars universe, but in our universe, I just feel so, I don't know, it's not just sad, it's, like, angry at the way that teenage girls are always treated, like, as, you know, as stupid, as, like, juvenile even if you know I, I just think all the time back to the things that people said to me as a teenage girl or said to my friends and like just the, the even now the current narrative all the time of like if a teenage girl likes something no one else can like it if oh no teenage girls don't like these types of books or these types of music any of that shit right and so to get to see a book that one is generally aimed at a younger audience not necessarily of teenage girls but at least like the ya audience and that has all these great decision-making examples, you know, carried out where people aren't constantly saying, oh, well, you know, you're just a teenage girl. What the fuck do you know? Like, I just love seeing that. I don't know. It's something so simple, but that makes such a difference. At least to me personally, like, every time I see that, I'm like, yes, like, let's let these girls take apart the throne and put some shit in there and assume that they know their basic math to be able to build this. Like, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, in our society, it's very much, oh, teenage girls are just so vapid, right? Right. It's That's like, a great way of putting one, it. One Direction who? And I'm like, okay, first of all, I wasn't into them because of that reason, because soci- societal patriarchy is a powerful fucking tool. Um, but they're like, oh, it's just teenage girls. Like, a little worried about them. And they're like, we're going to put guns in this and I've got a way so that now we're going to have two guns in the room because why would we just have one? We're going to hide this other one somewhere and like let me show you about how I'm going to do all of this. Oh, you've been wearing these fucking gowns that are 300 years old and weigh 10,000 pounds. Would you like one that's just 50 pounds? I can make it for you really easy. Here's the entire history of the fashion of Naboo. And it's like I'm not afraid of them because they're teens. I'm afraid of them because like they're hella smart. Yeah. I love what Panaka's Panaka, whatever, what his wife says about it, where she's like, well, you left, like, you let a bunch of teenagers be together in a room all the time. Two things are going to, one of two things is going to happen. I think there's a third thing that also happens when that happens, but that's not discussed. Um, not and, in this YA book. Right, right. But it's not definitely this, happening. It definitely happens. <laughs> um, but one, like, they're going to come up with some schemes and they're going to totally play you to get whatever it is that they're figuring out. Or two, they're going to kill each other. And you're lucky they haven't done both, if not only kill each other. And it's so true. Like, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that point, but the point is like that really, I just loved that moment of her saying that and saying like, just, oh, that's what it was, was that she tells them like to embrace it. Like it's going to happen either way. Just, just live with it. It's, and maybe this goes a bit to, you know, how we were talking about this earlier as it's not like a traditional, um, like straightforward plot, plot, plot solution, whatever the fuck kind of book. It's a little chaotic. There's something also about it that is like, you know, this big YA mood here is also, like, you know, one of those movies where, like, kids are the heroes, right? Like, it's, like, fucking Spy Kids vibes. Um, what's the one mm-hmm. with the snow day? I think it was literally called Snow Day. There you go. I don't know why that's the example that popped into my brain I was going to say, that was kind no of No idea what you're talking <laughs> about, but I have Google. Into late 90s, early 2000s culture, but, but okay. But it's stuff like that where, like... Yeah, no, we're fucking capable. These adults are stupid as hell. Like, he's just not saying anything about us. Literally taking all of these locks. Yeah. I like word. It's very, like, it's very the Home Alone. Yeah, genre. and it's, 
there, there's something really fun about seeing that to me in a Star Wars book. And I, I think it works well here because, one, it's fun, but two, you know, like, it, it fits in with the traditions of Naboo and having the young queens. It fits in with, you know, we see, despite the whole falling in love with Anakin Skywalker part, Padme is, like, super smart. Um, you know, she's an incredibly capable queen. She goes on to be senator. Um, like, they wanted her to, you know, stay and reign longer after her terms as queen ended. Um, she's somebody who's, like, very respected. Um, certainly on Naboo, but definitely in the galaxy. You know, she's one of the folks who is starting later on to kind of, you know, put a little bit of effort towards the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance if she hadn't have fucking died in childbirth because she broke her heart. She would have absolutely been, like, a leader of the the Alliance. Like, it's good times. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna have much more on this topic because there's a lot more of kind of the blending of this like precocious genius vibe with like the acknowledgement that they're teenagers and like it's it's there there's there's more of that to come and so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's like it's the precocious teenager thing with like oh no, you're like actually very, very, very capable. It's like you actually yeah. got all of these people in a room together. Like they can't say no to you. Not to be, like, super corny, but it kind of makes me feel like, well, I mean, obviously it wouldn't quite be to that capacity because of the way our world is set up, but I do kind of feel like, oh, it almost seems like a good sort of narrative around what would happen if we didn't limit teenagers and we didn't, like, you know, tell them that they had to just focus on getting a good SAT score and that, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation, but I do just feel like it really makes me think, like, oh, there is definitely that question there. of What if we invest in early childhood education? Right. Maybe we're a planet of all teen prodigies and we just don't know it i don't know that was really corny sorry but just it's a good point i i no, (laughs) i completely agree with it um and i mean the other thing that i love about this is that like even though we're we're obviously showing the teens as like supremely competent and like just just fully fledged characters in and of themselves like we're also seeing them be teenagers like the part where where uh it's like yeah you know they were you know, they were all, things were going really well. Everybody was, you know, kind of taking everything in stride, which meant that they were all ignoring the things that ignored them, that annoyed them until they just all blew up at the same time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yes, because that is what teenagers like. Even the smartest teenagers will do that because that is like how your brain and your emotional intelligence works, like no matter how precocious you are. And like, but it doesn't shy away from that or show that as like a weakness it is just an aspect of their character yeah it's yeah. just their teens they're different people they're all figuring out who they are you know and they've got their different backgrounds and skills and like sometimes somebody really annoys the fuck out of you and you're not gonna say anything and you're not gonna say anything and then something happens and like you just snap um one thing also about just like the regular teen stuff is like when they're going on their little tour around naboo like when they leave seed they're like, yeah, so Padme was the queen. F- like, she was Amidala for all the days except this one. She got her period and, like, you know, it caught her off guard. She felt like shit. So, like, we, yeah, we had Sebe step in or Sashay or whoever it was. And it was like, I love, yeah. <laughs> I love a book that references a period not just to say a character 
has suddenly aged or to say that a character is worried about pregnancy. Like, or those like, are the main times you hear it, and I always get, like, yeah. I just like that it's a normal function. Sorry, or they're at in a mood TM. Right. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's just like, oh, oh no, babe. She's down for the count. Give her the day. Wait for the Advil to kick in. It's like, we, we're just, we really just have somebody in an open convertible. Like, we can do this. I, one thing, and we can end on this, um, cause it's a, cause it's just delightful. Um, I think several times during the, during the press tour for this book, uh, EK Johnston was like asked like, you know, like what she like most happy about to like add to the book or like, you know, it's like she's, this is her, I think third Star Wars book at this point, And obviously we have a forthcoming, but she's like, you know, what's the, like thing that you're like happiest about adding to the universe. And every time she's just like making them add a page about periods to Wikipedia. <laughs> it's great. It's delightful. Chris, this is a... Sorry, I know you said we're with the end. I just have a question. Um, yeah. Was this the first Star Wars book where they've, like, explicitly mentioned period suppressing? Like, is that the oh, birth control yes. in Star Wars? I was like... It, sound, it sounds like I mean, we like all it knew is. it was there, but I was like, has this come up in the canon before? I was just curious. No. But, like, sex has come up in books well, in yes. canon before. <laughs> I figured that but, much. Yeah. But, like, no. Like, periods, no. Not at all. Just curious. I don't think... I don't. I just when I, I read the suppressant shot, it, it, it did not. Was like, yeah, the suppressant oh, shot. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I know I her. Like, hmm. Yeah, right. I know who. Th- <laughs> I know who that is. <laughs> but yeah, no, and it's 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 just, it's great because it, it just adds another like element of like lived in. Forty years later, a feeling of being lived in. Now we're here. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. a real. It makes it real, and I yeah. think also again if we go back to like. YA, not that, you know, teens are always necessarily the target audience for YA because that's only kind of how it, you know, we would define YA. Um, I think for that teen audience and for, you know, the younger folks who are reading this, it's like, oh, this is something that normalizes things. Because again, patriarchy. She's a bitch. Indeed. On that note, thank you for listening to this episode of the Book Wars Pod. Uh, We will be back next week, finishing up our reading of Queen's Peril, reading chapter 12 through to the end. Um, In the meantime, we're like almost at the point where I can keep this like standing note of keep staying the fuck inside off of here. If you're vaccinated, good for you. More power to you. Still be safe. Still stay inside when you when you can. But like, you know, you can eat outside occasionally with some vaccinated friends. Um, in the meantime, hit us up on the socials. We are Book Wars Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, email us at bookwarspod at gmail.com. And of course, always available on Touch Station Radio Patreon. And if you have the means, first of all, please again donate to the Loveland Foundation and the Loveland Therapy Fund. And then also, if you want to support us, you can donate to the Touch Station Radio Patreon or give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Uh, those two things really help us cover our hosting and production costs. And we will continue the generous stream coming of Argo, Cerberus, Jasper, Orca, and Tony content that we've been putting on our social media as well. Uh, just because, you know, you, you deserve it. You, you listen to this shit post of a pod, you at least deserve some good animal pics. Uh, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joby Terra Design. And our audio and production are done by our very own Kristen McDonald. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for Kate, Kristen, Miranda, and Rana, I'm Chris, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, fuck you, Kristen. <laughs>
I said Kristen. Did you? Yes. Did he? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You're making faces at Tony. I see you.